baseball, hockey, and soccer knowledge you could ever need. This is The Water Break on 88.9 The Bridge. Welcome 88.9 The Bridge listeners to The Water Break. I'm McLean, got Will and Creed in the studio with me, and we're bringing you the best award-winning late-night sports talk show on this station. I think we're going to get today's sports talk started off with Creed bringing you soccer. All right, so first up in soccer, we have the FIFA World Cup CONCACAF qualifiers. Uh, the Eight teams that passed on to the final round are Mexico, Canada, USA, Panama, Costa Rica, Honduras, El Salvador, and Jamaica. In that, we've had three games played so far, uh, and this is where every single team plays all the others, and then the final standings based off of that shows who goes to the World Cup in the 2022 year. Uh, right now, we have Mexico leading with two wins, one draw. Then Canada and USA are tied with one win, two draws, and they actually have the same exact goal differential. Canada's leading this just because of the name of the country, so they're ahead. And then fourth is Panama, then Costa Rica, Honduras, El Salvador, and Jamaica. And then in the English Premier League, we have match day four of 38 coming up. Uh, two good games to look at there are Leicester City versus Manchester City, and then we have Arsenal and Norwich City coming up. And in that, uh, Tottenham is leading the league with three wins, zero losses. The British just name their teams anything, don't they? They just love their cities. Tottenham. They have cities and Uniteds. That's that's their whole deal. And then, uh, so West Ham is next, second in the league with two wins and one draw. And then Manchester United and Chelsea and Liverpool rounding out the top five. And then in the MLS, we have match day 23 coming up. Uh, they don't really do it as similar as the English Premier League, where it's strictly by match day. Uh, there's usually a difference in matches played between teams. So some teams, like Colorado, have only 21 matches played, whereas the Sounders have 22, and the FC Dallas is 23. How are my Whitecaps doing? Whitecaps right now, uh, they're in eighth place in the Western Conference. So not too good, not oh. too bad. Middle of the pack. So Better sorry. than the Houston Dynamo. Got them. <laughs> Houston Dynamo have not been doing well, but that's expected from a newer team. So they're going to start catching on soon. Um, leading... The Western Conference, Seattle Sounders with 42 points in 22 matches, and then Colorado second, Sporting Kansas City third, and LA Galaxy fourth. And then the Eastern Conference, we have New Orleans completely destroying everyone with 52 total points. New so, England? Yeah, New England. They're number one in the league right now. Wow. They're just Crazy. destroying everyone. And then Orlando City next, then Nashville, and then New York City. And some matches we got coming up, we have... Uh, a lot of really good games coming up tomorrow. So Seattle Sounders, Minnesota, that's number one versus number five in the Western Conference. And then we have Sporting Kansas City, Chicago. 
uh, Cincinnati, Toronto. Toronto actually has really dropped off since they played last year, uh, doing very poorly in the league right now. And then Colorado and LA Galaxy. So those are some really good games coming up. And on to you for hockey, Will. Yeah, so uh, it's been an awesome offseason, really, for the Canucks one, but also for the Seattle Kraken, which are the brand new team. And I realized, even though, even though they drafted their team, like, months ago, I, we haven't had the chance to talk about it because of COVID and summer and all that. So it, it feels almost kind of weird that this is now is the only time I get to talk about the Kraken. But Especially I guess it's, since it's, like, so much after. It, exactly, but it's better late than never. So I'm going to start with that, and then I'm also going to go into some of the goalies. But first off, I think the Kraken drafted pretty solidly. There was a lot of backlash uh, with the initial draft, people saying they were going to be a pretty trash team. They didn't um, draft Carey Price. People were disappointed. <laughs> they didn't draft these big names. But you got to take into consideration there's a salary cap and there's also a future. And if they can't win with the guys, the stars that they could have gotten, why would they bother drafting them? I mean, Carey Price is a $10 million goaltender who probably doesn't have that many years left in the league playing at his top level. And his regular season play has already shown to not be that great, even though he really turns it on in the playoffs and is arguably the best goalie in the league when he tries as hard as he can. Um, I would have bought his jersey. I'll say I this. If, if, that's just because I it, love Carey Price personally. It is cool personally. to have him. And he's such a nice guy, too. And yeah. Some of the stuff he does off the ice. He would have been a great name, I think, to bring some attention into Seattle. And like you said, for people buying jerseys. Um, but realistically, looking at it, just money-wise and um, hockey-wise, it's not the right move. So I'm glad they took Dredger. I think he's a really low-paid goalie. And he'd serve as a good backup here. They also signed Philip Grubauer coming off an amazing year in Colorado behind a really solid team. Um, so he's going to have, certainly have something to prove, but I think he's an amazing goaltender. I think he's the right guy to lead this team for certainly a, a much better price than uh, Price would be. That's oh, definitely. Be. He's a great value, you know. I, when you're uh, dealing with a salary cap, you obviously can't go paying double digits of millions of dollars to Carey Price, who's like a million years old at this point. I, I just wanted to see Carey Price uh, wearing the Kraken blue personally because he's one of my favorite, like, random players. Like, you know how everyone in the NFL really loves Larry Fitzgerald even oh, though he yeah. doesn't play for their team because yeah. there are no Cardinals fans? But Carey Price is, like, the same for me. He's, like, my own personal Larry Fitzgerald. Because even though so I'm a Blues fan, naturally, um, I'm supporting the Kraken now because they're in town, but I used to live in St. Louis. Even though Carey Price never played for the Blues, he was always one of my favorite non-Blues. Yeah, I agree. It, same with Larry Fitzgerald. I think that's a really good comparison to make, because Larry Fitzgerald is so hard to not like. Yeah. Yeah, there's nobody who, like, even really hates Larry Fitzgerald. Exactly. Larry Fitzgerald delivered, like, the knockout punch for the Green Bay Packers that one season, <laughs> ended arguably Aaron Rodgers' best season in the playoffs uh, on an overtime sudden-death touchdown. And I still have never heard any Packers fans cursing his name. Larry Fitzgerald is just universally adored. I mean, the dude has more, or he has more tackles than he has drops, which yeah. makes absolutely no sense for a player that plays on offense. But somehow, special that, teams that and exists. interceptions. Exactly. He played special teams really early in his career, racked up those special teams tackles, and then he gets credited for tackles whenever his quarterback throws an interception. Which, if you're Larry Fitzgerald, just happens a lot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this guy has been in the league like 17, 18 years. There's high school kids who are who were born after Larry Fitzgerald was drafted, and the best quarterbacks he's ever played with are, you know, an old retired uh, Carson Palmer with three torn Achilleses, yeah. rookie Kyler Murray, and the ghost of the ghost of Kurt Warner. Yeah, it's tough. 
Uh, anyways, back to the Kraken. Uh, looking at the decor, I think we have a really solid draft here. Mark Giordano is a pretty good pick. He was the captain over in Calgary. Uh, big guy, a good leader, physical presence, uh, hard shot. I think that's what you're looking for in a captain, especially for a new team. You kind of need someone that's going to lead a lot of the young guys that the Kraken have ended up signing. Um, because they're certainly not looking to win now if you see some of the players they're getting. They're building depth and they're building young depth. So the biggest thing to that is having someone that's really going to help develop them at all times in the locker room um, beyond the ice rink. And I think Giordano is the perfect candidate for that. Other than that, it, I don't know if you guys noticed, but our team is massive. Like, yeah. if you look at some of the heights of the guys that we picked, our team's huge. We have a guy that's yeah. like 6'8". 300 pounds is the heaviest player in the NHL, which doesn't that's like, sound that's that like heavy almost as big as Creed compared to football. Yeah, yeah, I'm massive. If only it doesn't sound that heavy compared to a lot of football players because you know there's guys that are easily yeah. 400, like just that same height, too. But in, in hockey, you can't be that big because at a certain point, you're just you're gonna break the ice so low, <laughs> you, you might break the ice, but you just don't have enough speed to keep up with the game. So that's why those big guys are rare. And I think to get Jamie Alexiak when we did, I think is a good idea because he's certainly going to be someone that's going to help protect us. But not only that, he's going to add to the physical presence because it's more than just him. You know, we have a bunch of really big guys and that's kind of the one that sticks out to me. But if you go beyond that and you really look at like the rest of the roster, even some of the young guys, this is a big team. It's a pretty scary team to be honest. So I think that's what they might be going for, um, which is a very different approach from what Vegas had. Vegas just tried to take Whatever the best was available, they tried to stack their team early. And as of right now with the Kraken, it's somewhat unclear if that's what exactly what they're going for. But you can kind of see them building a young core for the future, which is awesome. I love that. And hopefully the sport of hockey is going to continue to grow here in Seattle because I know it's already popping off. I'm seeing Kraken hoodies and stuff all over the school. Yeah. It's amazing. So, yeah, that's about it for hockey. Um, We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with an update on the Mariners, as well as previews for week one of NFL action. Thank you for listening to The Water Break on 88.9 The Bridge. Right back after this. Welcome back into The Water Break, the best late-night sports talk show on 88.9 The Bridge. This segment, we're going to bring you guys an MLB update and probably some looks ahead to week one of National Football League football. Have you guys uh, been following baseball over the summer? Not uh, at all. I'm didn't not going to lie so. to you. Yeah, no, not one little bit. Didn't like, think so. Maybe saw one or two games, but that was just, you know, because I was kind of forced to. Your twins are doing terribly. Creed is yeah. from Minnesota. Creed is a Twins fan. It is not a good time to be the Twins fan. I do not mind you for, uh, you know, stopping to watch them. Yeah. It, well, how about the I Mariners? Because I, I know we had a decent start to the season, and I kind of just... Isn't that what stopped. the Mariners always do, though? They start off... Yeah. Well, the Mariners started off, off strong, but they've actually been able uh, to do a lot of clutch hits. They were able to build a great bullpen on the fly. Um, some non-roster invitees got some looks at the bullpen after uh, the team was forced to add... This is because I know you guys haven't been following. I'll give a recap of the season. The team hit a slump. Essentially, after we went off the air for summer, uh, the team started to hit a slump. They started really sucking wind. Ty France, uh, who is the first baseman, second baseman DH type for the Mariners, he hasn't played second for a long time, uh, got hit with a pitch and had to go to injury reserve. And given that he was providing almost a third of the team's total offense, they hit a pretty big slump really quickly. 
Then some starting pitchers went down due to injury. A lot of starting pitchers went down due to injury. And the team was forced to add a bullpen day into the rotation, which meant they were stocking the cupboard with a lot of relief pitchers because they were undergoing a lot more bullpen usage. The bullpen days were uh, did not get the team a lot of wins, but did force the team to promote a lot of relievers to the big show. And some of those guys really shined. Uh, most notably, Paul Seawald uh, turned from a non-roster invitee who was run out of the New York Mets AAA affiliate to becoming an elite reliever, one of the best uh, strikeout pitchers in the American League for the Seattle Mariners. Wow. Drew Steckenrider, who couldn't make it work as a swing guy, long relief role type in Miami, uh, has found new life as an eighth inning setup man. So these guys, this was a guy that couldn't even make, not even the main Mets team, but the... The Mets AAA affiliate, the one that employed Tim Tebow. This guy was Tim Tebow's teammate and couldn't stick around for the New York Mets. They, uh, the weird thing was they actually cleared his roster spot to make room for the signing of Taiwan Walker, who was a former Mariner. Well, he's a pretty good player. He's very good, so I don't think the Mets regret uh, waving him to get Walker at all. But Seawald caught on with the Rainiers after being a non-roster invitee to the Mariners training camp and has caught fire. Uh, His slider developed really well. Uh, He's pitching great in Seattle, has had one of the best relief seasons since Edwin Diaz's 50-save campaign in 2018. Paul Seawald, Drew Steckenrider have both been amazing. Uh, JT Chargois was very good but got traded, flipped at the deadline for Diego Castillo, who was slightly more expensive but did a lot of the same things as a late innings closer. Kendall Graveman was also jettisoned at the deadline uh, to make room for Abraham Toro, uh, who we pulled in from the Houston Astros and has since uh, turned into an offensive force. Essentially, uh, Abraham Toro is like what the Mariners envisioned Ty France would be, which is a second baseman with not much glove who can make up for it with a bat that has a lot of pop and a guy who hits a lot of line drives. He's uh, instantly become one of the best average hitters on the team, has slid right into the five spot and lengthened that lineup by just one more batter. The other thing that happened is uh, J.P. Crawford's finally found his bat. J.P. Crawford is the shortstop for the Mariners, uh, and he turned from a guy who was like a 220 average hitter who would see a lot of ups and downs to a more consistent soft contact guy who, you know, maybe doesn't uh, hit those gap doubles as often as he did before anymore, and his what little power he had has completely vanished. But uh, he's turned into a guy who will hit 270, 280, and become a much more reliable leadoff hitter who can draw more walks, too. That's what's up with the Mariners. They're currently in the playoff chase right now, two games out, and they're playing the Arizona Diamondbacks right now. That game's actually happening as this airs. The Diamondbacks are pretty horrible, right? If I I think I can count the Diamondbacks' yeah. wins this season on one hand. Oh, wow. That's so a little that bad. Because I have seen, I have seen uh, pictures and videos of the Diamondbacks' stadiums, uh, mostly because I think one of the Coyotes' players threw an opening pitch there. It looked like COVID. Like, I mean, it is technically still COVID, but the stands were so empty, you would think it's like a bubble. Yeah, you could barely see yeah. people anywhere. Like I can't. I feel bad for the people who have to produce those games just to realize that like there's no one there. Yeah, I mean, well, there's a couple of pretty solid players uh, on the Diamondbacks. Former Mariner Cattell Marte is holding down center field down there, and he's been a stud. He's hit for very high average. He's in the 300s and has provided some pop with his bat and plus defense after having to move out of the infield. But he's holding down center field really well. 
It's uh, Catel Marte is making the Mitch Haniger trade look a little contentious. There's also, of course, Madison Bumgartner's late career renaissance, and a uh, new pitcher, Tyler Gilbert, was moved out of the bullpen in his first career start. He was previously in a long relief role where he was designated as the guy out of the bullpen who would make a start if someone couldn't go. First start, no-hitter. He wow. threw the eighth no-hitter wow. of the season. That is impressive. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty crazy. Uh, the Diamondbacks have actually thrown two no-hitters this year. Madison Bumgartner threw the other one, but it was a seven-inning doubleheader, so there's like an uh, asterisk on it. Interesting. It's, he threw seven innings of no-hit baseball, which is impressive enough, but it uh, doesn't really count. So the Mariners, right in the playoff chase. Uh, Mariners baseball, they play a lot of close games. That's the other thing. The advanced metrics really do not like this team because so much of the strength is built around largely unproven bullpen guys. Guys like Paul Seawall, Drew Steckenrider, uh, and new uh, late-inning option Johan Ramirez, who is a toolsy reliever who played a little last year, wasn't too great, so the advanced metrics really don't like him. Hmm. But he's got great stuff. He's got closer-level stuff. Uh, his fastball is electric. It's in the high 90s. And he's got a really good slider and a really good changeup. That's, That's pretty good cool. To hear. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I kind of, I kind of understand most of the terms you're talking about and stuff. I'm sure it's even worse for you, Creed. Oh yeah, no, this <laughs> is like I'm picking up half of it. But yeah, this is. You I, know what fastball is? Well, of course I do. But like, I'm picking up a good, you know, what I'm understanding is good. Johan, Johan Ramirez, uh, and uh, the other guy that the Mariners have added to their bullpen rotation uh, just recently is Sean Doolittle, who is a former closer for the Washington Nationals, won a World Series ring uh, with the club and uh, is now pitching like 6th, 7th low leverage innings for the Mariners. He's uh, got injured, dealt with some injury, and also aged pretty quickly. So he's not exactly the elite option he once was. But he's been pretty great for the Mariners. He's been pretty consistent, hasn't been gashed. That's pretty good. That's good yeah. to hear. All right, well, I think we're going to take a quick break and head into football for our next segment, so make sure you stay tuned for that here on 88.9 The Bridge. Welcome back to The Water Break. This segment, we're talking football. I know uh, this has historically been a more football-centric show, but today uh, we're just getting to it now. Uh, week one is on the horizons. Tampa Bay was able to squeak by Dallas yesterday in one of the more exciting season openers I can remember. What do you guys think about this weekend? Are there any games we should be watching? Well, obviously, I'm going to be watching the Vikings. But who do, who right. do the Vikings play? Uh, I think the Vikings play... Let's see. I'm not totally sure. You don't know? Oh, no, they're playing the Bengals, so that's great. Um, yeah, Joe Burrow and the Bengals. That should be a pretty interesting game. You know, Joe Burrow is a high-ceiling quarterback. Mm. He could put up a lot of points on what is a pretty depleted Minnesota secondary. Quick, Creed, name their cornerbacks. Yeah, <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Got but, it. But you know, Vikings actually had a somewhat good draft this year, so a lot of offensive lines type stuff too. So we're working on becoming better on that, and I think our defense is getting stronger. Um, but obviously, we're not all the way there yet. So. The Vikings have been the model of consistency. I'll say this: this is an odd-numbered year, which means it's time for you guys to make the playoffs as a wild card again. Um, I'm calling it Minnesota Vikings gonna go 10 and seven, uh, lose the division to the 11 and six Green Bay Packers by a game and make it as the seventh seed, get absolutely blown out uh, by I'm gonna say the Rams on opening Probably. weekend. That'd be pretty funny. Tampa but... Bay takes the one seed, the Rams take the two going 13 and four. Yeah. What do you um, guys 
What do you guys think about Tampa's chance to repeat this year? I feel like Tampa has a better repeat chance than any team for a long time. Obviously, their uh, offense is really centered around a 40-year-old quarterback playing for a coach who's had to start a backup in almost every season he's ever been a head coach. You know, I. Uh, but if the health of Tom Brady can hold up, th- this team could be scary. If, if uh, something were to happen to Tom Brady... Uh, Blaine Gabbert and Kyle Trask, rookie Kyle Trask, are also on the Bucks roster. The only reason I bring this up is because Bruce Arians has only had a starting quarterback start 16 games once, and it was last year with Tom Brady. Uh, I, I think that the Arians scheme involves quarterbacks taking a lot of hits, and it's something that you obviously don't want to see a 43-year-old blunder like Tom Brady forced into. But I think if Tom Brady stays healthy, the defense is good enough and there's enough talent around him that the team could get scary pretty quickly. I think they're a one or two seed. Yeah. Uh, another game that's going to be really interesting to watch, and I know when I say this, you're going to be like, why would that be interesting? These are two horrible teams. Um, but I'm thinking Panthers-Jets for Panthers one reason only. Hmm. Sam Darnold. Sam uh, Darnold revenge game. A really high draft pick. Didn't play too well. In his on his first team now he's on the Panthers playing his old team this is one his chance to prove himself but two like almost a little revenge tour against the Jets um, because things did not go too well for him with the Jets he had a pretty much horrible supporting cast um, he also had Adam Gase as his head coach exactly. Adam so, Gase uh, was great as an offensive coordinator with Peyton Manning he set records all the time he was you know legendary but of course it was also Peyton Manning yeah, yeah. Uh, Peyton Manning just when uh, the last time that a quarterback left the Adam Gase scheme, it was Ryan Tannehill. And Ryan Tannehill had a really nice career renaissance in Tennessee. I think we could see something similar out of Darnold. I'm not ready to give up on the USC product yet. I'm really excited for what Sam Darnold could do with Carolina. The defense worries me for the Panthers, but I think that they could be a wild card contender. Yeah, I was actually watching a Panthers game when I was in North Carolina against the Steelers. It was preseason, but I got to see Darnold Moore. I think they played Anderson too. The only starter on their offense, or at least notable starter that they didn't play, was of course McCaffrey. Um, but their offense looked really good, and I'll bet they're playing against uh, basically the Steelers' second squad, but they absolutely tore them up. DJ Moore was looking really, really good. I almost wanted to draft him in fantasy, but the picks never really aligned, and I don't want it to end up taking him too high. Yeah, um, I mean, the uh, the only notable loss for the Panthers in the offseason was Curtis Samuel, but they had three players with 1,000 receiving yards last season. Yeah, I, I would say their receiving core is still pretty solid, especially with Robbie Anderson. Don't, didn't they pick up uh, David Moore? Well, they did, but they, they since yeah. they've he's since been cut. Oh, I so their their third that. receiver, their third receiver is uh, not a big name. Okay. It's but the ball should get spread around a lot. The only the big notable pickup they had was tight end Dan Arnold from the Cardinals. Okay. Uh, so they add uh, a tight end that's been really missing from the offense since Greg Olson. Uh, it's been. A long time since Carolina's had like a really good tight end, and I think Dan Arnold he had a pretty nice season uh, in Arizona last year. But that offense is going to be tough to defend. There are tons and tons of options for Sam Darnold, whose uh, options in New York were pretty much just take a sack or try to get the ball to Jamison Crowder. He didn't really have a lot to work with in those final two seasons after Robbie Anderson left for 
say it with me, the Panthers. Exactly. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is, and with a whole season of Christian McCaffrey, you got to respect the run game, the screen game. You kind of got to play Carolina eight in the box. It's uh, hard to defend McCaffrey. This offense should hum. The defense uh, looked to be tracking the right direction last season, but they could surprise some people contend for the wild card. They could pass the Saints in the standings, and it uh, wouldn't surprise me all that much. That's what I was thinking. I think they're definitely a sleeper team. Um, And so are the Jets. Honestly, I'm not saying the Jets are going to be good this year, but I'm saying they have made some changes from last year. I believe in Robert Sala. Yes. Robert Sala made the 49ers uh, very respectable. Mm-hmm. His uh, addition to the coaching staff coincided with Shanahan's. Shanahan turned the offense around, but Robert Sala turned a defense that was filled with a bunch of first-round draft busts along the defensive line and relative nobodies in the secondary and linebacking core, turned Fred Warner's career, uh, kind of jump-started that, and really made lemonade out of a secondary that was filled with relative nobodies, turned them into what was down the stretch, one of the best defenses in the league on that Super Bowl run. And they remained pretty good, even after being gutted by injuries, dealing with the loss of Richard Sherman. Uh, He was able to coach this squad of low-drafted, mid-tier players into a championship defense that, you know, held the Chiefs to three quarters where they were uh, looking out of the game. Yeah, I mean, what, they held them to 10 points? 10 points through three that. quarters, yeah. and they only broke that later, because, yeah. Much later. And it was, I mean, it's hard to keep Mahomes down. It's really hard to keep Mahomes down. We saw that Rams Super Bowl where they ended up keeping them to what? It was 13-3? The Rams lost 13-3. The Rams couldn't put up much points it. either, but 13 is a solid day for the defense regardless of who you're playing. And then you look at it against Patrick Mahomes and easily the best offense in the league. That's an amazing day. It just sucks yeah. the offense couldn't really do much because I was really rooting for the Rams there. Yeah, no, definitely. It's it, it was I honestly I really believe in Robert Sala. I don't know if the Jets have the roster yet to even be wild card contenders or think no. about making a playoff push. I, yeah, I think they're a bit. Far but Robert Sala was the right hire. One of my favorite hires of the off season. And if, I've I've got the gold touch when uh, predicting hires. My favorite hire a couple seasons ago, Kevin Stefanski, and he turned the Browns into a contender. Yeah. So I, I believe in Robert Sala. I think better times are on the horizon for the New York Jets. And finally, the Seahawks are going to beat the Colts by three scores. It won't be close. There's my prediction. There's my prediction. Uh, the current line is uh, Seahawks by two and a half points. Over. Take the over. Take Seattle. Thank you guys for listening to the water break. I think this is going to be it from us. Uh, And I'd like to thank you again for listening to 88.9 The Bridge, the world's biggest little radio station with music and conversation that spans generations. We're going to be heading out, but we'll be back next week at this time, probably to broadcast football, but also maybe for some water break. Thank you guys for listening to The Water Break, the best late-night sports talk show on 88.9 The Bridge.